initially we thought well, we would organize to give student tours and we promoted that and we offered it to different schools. But it wasn't long before we realized that the best opportunity would be to take teachers on tours. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's episode is part two of our interview with Bill Cox, owner of Cox Manufacturing in San Antonio, Texas. Over the years, Cox has developed an extensive employee recruiting program. The company has realized that one of the most effective ways to attract young people to opportunities in the machining industry is offering tours of its shop to high school teachers, who then promote the career path to their students. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graff. P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. You guys are trying to get the educational system to be aware of your company. So what are the things you do for that? Well, about 14 years ago, Toyota had moved to San Antonio and hired people from every manufacturing company in the city and was really frustrating the situation. So Uh, The area manufacturers realized we needed to do some things to promote manufacturing jobs. I was very involved in the local manufacturing association and ended up becoming the founding chair of an organization we called the Alliance for Technology Education and Applied Math and Science A-teams. And initially, we thought we would uh, organize to give uh, student tours, and we promoted that and we offered it to different schools. But It wasn't long before we realized that the best opportunity would be to take teachers on tours. That is so interesting. You're the first people who have mentioned that. So what we um, did, and there was a number of educators that were working on the same thing. There was a retired math teacher that was very passionate about the STEM education and wanting to promote that. The local workforce development, all of us partnered together and we got some grant funding and we arranged to have a one-week program during the summer where we actually were able to offer teachers a paid stipend. Uh, I think it's $500 a week and they would get do multiple factory tours within the tour groups, the teachers would have teams that would debrief together. So we developed this program a number of years ago, and every summer it would be a sellout. We would run three or four groups of buses of teachers to plants. There's always a waiting list of teachers that want to get on it now. Wow, a waiting list of teachers. Interesting. Yes, it's been good for everybody. 
And we've been doing this, you know, for years now. So it's a pretty well established thing. We just need to get it back going again with COVID. I don't, and I'm off the board now. I've, I've rotated off. Uh, I've got my training coordinator on the board, but these teachers have no idea. So a lot of the teachers, they went to high school, they went to college, and they went back to high school teaching now. <laughs> and they've, they've never been in a manufacturing facility. And inevitably, they're just amazed and impressed. And we can impact more students by impacting the teachers. What about guidance counselors? Do you get the guidance counselors that come in? Because that seems like that would be important. Yeah, we've offered it to them. It's kind of odd that that population, most of them are not very open-minded. Because they're the ones that would be the people. Yeah. Initially, we didn't offer it to them. Then we, we realized we needed to target them. The whole training curriculum didn't really lend itself to them. For some reason, the guidance counselors seem to be more closed-minded than the teachers themselves. But that in itself tells you that we got to have a target on their back. <laughs> Interesting. And you guys, do you have any plan on how to target them? Or You know, I again, I've been kind of away from it. I think the way, to, I don't know where they left off at. Right. And this is something, it's obviously you're getting a gazillion applicants already, this is partly for you and partly just for, you know, for everybody. Yeah, it's for the community and for the employees, for the for the companies. So, yeah, that's tremendously important. I mean, for everybody. Are you guys doing much automation in the shop? Well, it's certainly, but the types of machines that, that we have, you know, they're bar automatics. And so we've got bar loaders on all the single spindles and, and some of the multis. You know, the inspection processes uh, with the vision systems that has sped up networking everything together helps. Um, we do have some automated and 100% inspection systems. We've, I built one system where we can inspect parts with using a robot. Actually, it's a couple of robots that present the part in front of the camera. Um, and so where we need 100% inspection to validate quality. And um, how do you hire family members? You're not afraid to do that? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but everybody has to pass the test. And, you know, I mean. Yeah, we actually give preference if someone refers someone, if they're a brother or a. Or any kind of reference, right? And we give hiring bonuses, uh, referral bonuses. I don't recall the exact sequence, but it's something like if they get a flat amount of money after 30 days and then another one after the, the recruit is with us six months. And then after finally a year, they get the final reward. There's no substitute for word of mouth. And a lot of times people that fit your organization culturally will be a good fit. They'll know what will fit into your organization. So it works well. What's been one of the most surprising things in your time of figuring out the art of hiring people? The most surprising thing was when we had a middle-aged woman apply with us who had a long experience in the healthcare field. And she just felt burnout. She wanted out. She didn't mind working uh, shift work, but she wanted out of that industry. What was the healthcare job? You know, it was, she worked in a hospital. I don't recall exactly what she did, what her certifications were. But she really convinced us that she was ready for a change. We're very hesitant to do that, but um, to hire someone that's been trained in another field. But she just 
she started deburring and doing basic sorting and inspection work. And she appealed to be in the apprenticeship program. And she took off like a rocket and passed up a lot of younger guys. So you can get a job there without going into the apprenticeship program? You can. There's other, there's shipping, there's material handling. And is that easier to get into than the apprenticeship program? It, it is. And is that kind of a backdoor to get into the apprenticeship program? It is, yes. If they, um, like the shipping doesn't have to have a strong math score. You know, it's, it's a little different. Right, but you get the foot in the door, and then maybe you could go to the two and you by yourself, and then all of a sudden you say, "Hey, give me a shot." Yeah, and we'll we'll give them the tooling you subscription if they want to apply it, and so that's kind of what she did anyway. She but she took off, and within ninety days she's setting up the CNC machines and showing up a lot of these younger guys. So that that surprised me. But you haven't had much other stuff because, I mean, that's kind of what I was talking about before. There's research that shows like people that have a lot of experience doing one thing, they try another thing and they actually excel at it because you have learned other things that you can apply to this new thing. If you're willing to take a step back and say, "Okay, I'm going to start out fresh and not act like I know anything. We've had more failure uh, stories and success stories with that kind of background. Um, oh, for here's an example: a guy had, had done uh, pool maintenance for years, and the pool maintenance season, of course, is real strong in the summer months. And uh, he wanted to get out of that, but they pay pretty good money when the summer months are going. <laughs> so he came and convinced us he was going to make a change. And we thought, well, you know, he's got troubleshooting skill sets, etc. Then, and he did fine. He was on the multi spindles. But the pool season started up again, and his employer convinced him to come back. Ah. A couple of years later, he came back. But okay, but that was a case where he did have the aptitude. Well, he did it, but he didn't stay with it, so he never graduated. And yeah. he came back a couple of years later, and then he left again, which is unusual for someone to come back the second time. On a- and you let him come back. We did, but we've had people, men, that was a mistake to hire him the first time, evidently. And then he left again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but our, our general rule... Two strikes and you're out. Well, no. No, the general rule is that if someone is trained in a field that if they can earn more money at, we're not going to put him in the apprenticeship training program. If they're fully trained in that field and, and that field exists, for example, guys come to us, uh, the aerospace industry has a lot of layoffs, but they pay real high wages. And there's aircraft mechanics the, the certified aircraft mechanics. And they'll tell us, you know, oh, I want to get out of this. I'm tired of the layoffs and all that. But when the business picks up again, inevitably, it same old, same old. We've seen this enough times to know we're not going there. So, and the oil industry is the same thing. They say they're tired of, of uh, the remote work and being gone for days, but they get paid such crazy money that, we've never had, we've tried it several times. We never have somebody that completely changes course on that. Those industries, that's how they survive. They're able to shed people and bring them right back. They know how to do it. Um, 
<laughs> what what advice do you have for some of these people out there? Uh, obviously, they can listen to this podcast and think, all right, well, maybe I can try to build some of these things. But what what advice do you have for them in the short term? Because right now, guns are ablazing, no pun intended. For the short term, what I have to say, this you have to think of the long term. And if you don't start thinking of long term today, you're not going to get there long term. So many things that I see, you know, the PMPA sessions, ideas that people talked about and were presented 10 years ago, everybody heard and very few implemented. Yeah. You know, like there's several different training program curriculum available, the tooling you. Uh, and there are several other products out there. They're probably all good. Pick one, put it to use, put your emphasis on the training. Developing an in-house training program is definitely one of the number one things you should be committed to. And then the recruiting and opening your doors to hire people. You need to be doing it thinking of the kid that's a a junior in high school today or a sophomore for manufacturing day. What are you doing for that? Being involved in your community to promote manufacturing. Absolutely. What do you say to these people who are complaining about, well, the government handout and I can't compete with the $18 an hour? And If you didn't have all the stuff you had in place, say you were in Illinois and you were looking for people to hire and you just you needed spots filled up right now. What would you do? Raise your wages big time? You might need to raise your wages. What I would not do is hire someone that is not a good long-term fit. Uh, I would definitely increase my training efforts and I would be thinking long-term. The biggest mistake you can make is make short-term decisions that are not compatible with a longer-term success strategy. Well, it sounds like you guys have done a lot of that and it's paying off. When you think of happiness, the word happiness, what do you think of? <laughs> okay. So what I think is when you're fulfilling your God-given purpose. So when we select people, we try to make sure that there's alignment with who they are, who they're designed to be and help them fulfill that. When I'm living in that place and our people are there, none of us are perfect and we, all of us get a little off track. But I think when we're in that sweet spot, that's when we're happy. And what's your purpose? Personally, uh, my purpose is to be a leader at home, at work, and in my community, pointing people to truth and their God given purpose. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I look forward to talk to you and work with you for the future. Appreciate it. Thank you, Noah. Enjoyed it. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. 